This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. This is Hall of Famer Alan Fanica, and you're listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest for Two. Well, 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 while the cat's away, the sage will play. Welcome to another edition of the iTest for Two podcast, where our own Ira Kaufman, aka the Sage of Tampa, did not accompany the Bucks last week to Germany. Nope. Instead, he stayed home, decided to have yeah breakfast with a friend of the show, former Tampa Bay coach Bruce Arians. And result, result is that Ira broke news on the Bucks beat. Ira, your stories are going national. You were you were big stuff in the New York Post today. You want to tell us about what happened? Well, this was a two-parter. Uh, I sat down with Coach Arians Monday morning at a Panera Bread. At a Panera Bread. Oh, wasn't a PDQ? In, wasn't a PDQ? It wasn't a PDQ. Okay. I walked in. He already had his coffee. And then um, about a minute later, his name was called and he walked down to get his bagel, Clark. So I didn't even have to offer to pay him it, buy him anything. And we had a nice chat. Um, I asked him about a lot of questions about Rondé Barber for my Hall of Fame presentation because uh, he's very close to Rondé Barber, bo- both barbers, very close. And I was asking him about Barber as a prototypical slot corner and whatever. Then we got around to the Bucks, of course. And I asked him, uh, you know, he had a heart problem, which you're referring to. He was hospitalized for four days. While that was going on, the Bucks were struggling in October, Ian. And I asked him about Byron Leftwich getting hammered by the local media and the fan base. Was it fair? He said no. Now, Clark, you know better than anybody. He, he wants Byron Leftwich to get a head coaching job. He sure, does. Sure. Yep. And he's going to defend him at, at any cost. And, you know, they're playing better now. So he said it's not his fault. He mentioned the young offensive line. And then he mentioned Tom Brady before I mentioned Tom Brady and said nobody's going to say this, but Tom Brady wasn't playing well during that stretch. He didn't say he was playing terrible. He wasn't throwing picks all over the place. But, Clark, they weren't scoring any touchdowns. He scored three points against the Carolina Panthers. Clark, at some point, some of it's on the quarterback. Some of it uh, wasn't like he was under siege. So that that made some uh, news. And then he talked about his hospitalization. Clark, when you're 70 years old and you go in the hospital for four days, that's a major scare. No yeah, question yeah. about it. T- tell me about it. So how did that news go over with Ian Glendon, our Hall of Fame producer, and Tom Brady honk? How'd you like that news, Ian? Well, I, look, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, Ira said it. Uh, Bruce is very, very loyal to his guys. And, and look, I, I, I think he and Tom understand the, the coach-player dynamic. And uh, we, we saw this in the past with, with Arians, you know, criticizing Brady and, and knowing that, you know, Brady's going to handle it just fine. He's not going to, you know, take it personally or whatever. And, and to some degree, it takes the heat off some of these other players that have struggled. And, and look, I, I know he wants to say that the – uh, play calling hasn't been a problem, but I mean, look, we all have eyes <laughs> and we've all watched, you know, the Bucks for the majority of the season and know that it hasn't been at a high level to say the least. Um, but yeah, sure. I mean, there, there's a lot of blame to go around. Um, I, I still maintain that the, the least of the Bucks problems during their struggles was the quarterback. Although that doesn't mean he didn't struggle himself. Ira, you know, 
as I hope you know, this is a Hall of Fame themed show. Yet it seems like we open every program with something about the Bucks. There's always a story with this year's Bucks, right? <laughs> There's no question about it. They they make national news. Uh, make national you know, news. Get, getting on the bus. Getting on there a bus. They're, they're in national news. You're right. Well, I'll tell you another place. There's always a story. Cleveland. Cleveland. Deshaun Watson returns to practice there this week. And Ira, how would you like to be there for that? You know. If they were, if they had a better record, Clark, and if they were in the thick of things, I, I think Deshaun Watson would be welcomed by the Cleveland cloud. By the way, you know who's going to Cleveland a week from Sunday? The Bucks, coming off the oh, bye week, go to yeah. Cleveland, uh, and Deshaun Watson will maybe playing there too. But Clark, nationally, he's a pariah. But in Cleveland, yeah. if they win and he plays well, they'll they'll forget all all the baggage. You know, he's not eligible to return until week 13, which is December 4th. And Ira, guess where he goes December 4th? Yeah, that would be Houston. Okay. Houston. How would you like to be there for that one? <laughs> I mean, would you be covering the game? Or would you be covering the protests outside? <laughs> you know what? I might have to get I, I might have to get a flight over there to Hobby Airport. <laughs> there you I, go. I, I, I want to be there. Yeah. Well, one place you should be here, one place you really should be is right here. And that's next week. When the Pro Football Hall of Fame announces its 25 semifinalists for the modern era class of 2023. Now, they're going to be revealed on Tuesday afternoon, which is November 22nd. And we'll be here with the results from a difficult process. Ira and I both voted. We're members of the committee. And Ira, there were 129 names on that preliminary list. That wasn't an easy job to cut it to 25. Not at all. And, uh, you know, they they gave us a heads up, the voters. And um, I, I just took a look at the list. Of course, yep. we're not at liberty to uh, give out any information. Clark, you, you could you could make a case for like 22, 23 out of those 25. I mean, that is one heavy-duty list to try to whittle down to 15. Well, I'll tell you who I'm looking forward to, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I want to see at semifinals. I want to at least see Albert Lewis make it. We, you know, we talked about him on here with Tony Dungy. Been a semifinalist once, once, 2013. Ricky Waters, I covered him in San Francisco. Been a semifinalist just twice, uh, 2020 and 2022. And of course, as we mentioned last week, Leslie O'Neill, semifinalist once, once, 2018. R- Ricky Waters was a very dangerous player, Clark. Very dangerous. He's a guy who could have took a little swing pass. The next thing you know, it's 65 yards and a touchdown. All right, here's Roger Craig. If he had stayed there, they would have won more Super Bowls. He left. They replaced him with Derek Laville. We know what happened. They didn't get back to the Super Bowl, but um, that was... He took the money and ran. I don't blame him for that. I talked to him years later about it. And he said, hey, you know, I've got Hall of Fame stats. I said, you've got Hall of Fame stats, but you don't have Hall of Fame votes. And he still doesn't. He was good in Philadelphia, too, Clark. He was yeah, good. he was good. Yeah, yeah, and in Seattle. And in Seattle, too. I mean, he does have great numbers, but he didn't win anything, anything ever, anywhere he went. If he had stayed there in San Francisco, Seifert would still be coaching, and they'd be racking up Lombardi trophies. Well, speaking of the Hall, we have Hall historian and rock contour Joe Horgan, retired executive director at the Hall of Fame and now its senior advisor. And I think that means he's been around for a while, senior advisor. And he has, fortunately, <laughs> it for means us. he's old. It means he's old. <laughs> he's here to talk to us about another place we should be, and that's watching a new podcast called Football Heaven that debuted Tuesday. Now, first of all, Joe. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us. Second podcast. Uh, I'm not sure I know what that means. Do you want to tell yeah. us about it? Well, neither did I. You know, it's uh, you know, it, it's funny because we were talking earlier internally here 
about the evolution of, of, of news and media. And I said, you know, it wasn't long ago where we had, when satellite radio came out, I thought this was, you know, what next could possibly, could there be possibly coming down the pike? And all of a sudden we're streaming and I said, oh, what next could come be coming down the pike? And then all of a sudden we're doing podcasts. I'm saying, well, what next? Well, this is vodcast. And who knows, there's going to be something coming behind it, I'm sure, too. But it really is. It's a podcast with a video option as well. So you can okay. listen to it, you know, like a regular podcast, or you can link and get the uh, the video portion as well. I have a face for the audio only. <laughs> Joe, wait a minute. They, they've got satellite radio? Since when? When does that happen? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like, you know, as you know, uh, we have a Hall of Fame radio show on Sirius you know. XM. Yeah. Howard Balls and I, one of your fellow selectors, we've been doing it for eight years. We, when we <laughs> realized that the other day, we thought eight years, it feels like we just started this thing. Yeah. You know, kind of like, God, you know, time flies, but things change really fast. Yeah, you don't have to tell me I've got a daughter who's a senior in high school now. Um, so I understand the debut episode, which was entitled The 10 Most Unusual Artifacts, mm -hmm. and it included a molded replica of Jerry Rice's hands. Now, I cover Jerry. I think he's got enormous hands, first of all. But I, 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 And you can tell me whether this is true or not, but there, I think it is. But there's a story that has been around for years in the 1990s um, where Jerry worked summers with his dad, who was a brick mason. And his brother used to throw Jerry bricks and he'd catch them out of the air and then give them to his dad. But I saw where he said that was actually a myth. It taught me about um, the meaning of hard work. It didn't teach me how to catch a football. Anyway, yeah. you want to go into those 10 most unusual artifacts and, and tell us about Jerry Rice's hands and whether that well, story the, is Let's start with the Jerry Rice's hands because they, they are. There was an artist that was uh, that literally uh, sculpted Jerry's hands, but he used a particular image, um, you know, that uh, the outreach or outstretched arms with, with him yeah. cradling a ball coming in. And he used that then as, as literally a ball holder for one of the, I forget which record it was, Jerry broke, he broke them all, so it doesn't really matter, but it, it cradles right in there, and as I say in the vodcast, you know, it, it, it sounds kind of strange, you know, having molded hands holding a ball, but it's actually pretty beautiful, and it, and it really, if you look at it and you remember Jerry Rice, yeah. this is a, a portrait of Jerry Rice without anything more than his hands, and it's really, really a, a unique piece like that, I, I really like it. But back to your story about the bricks thing, we talked about it as if it was true. So Jerry's kind of uh, screwing that up for us a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is true, but I just saw a story where he goes, that's actually a myth. It more taught me about the meaning of hard work than catching Yeah, well, we, we always heard it. That, that, yeah, we, we always heard it that, that, you know, it was dad being the bricklayer that they threw bricks yeah. and he yeah. caught them and so on. And, and I, as I say in the in the vodcast, I said, you know, it, it you know, with his father throwing bricks, I said, it, you know, it's really how you want to present your father. He, yeah. he was either throwing bricks at you or he was throwing bricks up to you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Ira so, and I know the meaning of that. They've been throwing bricks at us for years. That's how we learned. Yeah, and I, and I said, you know, he either had to catch him or lose some teeth. So you know, it was a great way to learn <laughs> right. you know, how, to, how to catch a football, I guess. But yeah, there's, those are the great stories that we have. And, and hopefully, you know, we don't in this particular, we don't have Jerry telling the story, but we have another artifact that you'll see in the, in the, in the podcast that, um, Edger and James donated his hair yeah. to the Hall of Fame. And that's when he had the long flowing locks coming out of his helmet. 
it was after a game in Cleveland where he was pulled on by his hair. And, and then he said during the game, guys were taking, you know, cheap shots to get under his skin. And he realized, you know, this could actually affect the game if I lost my cool or whatever. So he said, I made a business decision to cut my <laughs> hair off. And uh, Aditi Kikwala, our, our co-host, he says, well, that happened in whatever it was, 2006, or I can't remember the exact year. And and you donated it in 2020. You know, where was this hair? You know, you held <laughs> onto the hair all those years. And, and he says, yeah, he said, uh, you know, it was it was a part of me. It was a part of a story. I kept it in a bag. And she goes, you kept it in a bag, of, you know, like that little plastic bag. He goes, yeah, it's the same bag I gave to the Hall of Fame. It's kind of like, you know, he goes, where were you keeping it? And he goes, I got places, <laughs> you know, but that's an odd, you know, a, a, a part of your, of your being is in the hall of fame. And uh, so we had a little fun with it. I said, I, you know, I was tempted on occasion to borrow the hair to, <laughs> you know, to supplement what I have, but it just didn't look right. You know, but <laughs> I was going to say you and I could use that hair. Joe, <laughs> yeah. so I'm going to ask you about a couple. Uh, I'm going to ask you about a couple episodes, Joe, episode two. Mm-hmm. 72 Dolphins, 50th yeah. anniversary. And of course, yeah. the Eagles just lost their first game. So yep. some of some of the surviving Dolphin members, I'm sure, uh, had a nice uh, drink of champagne. Um, Joe, I'm reading a book on the 72 Dolphins. It, it's, it's a good, fascinating book. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle of it. The guy did a good job. Joe, what, what do you got coming from the 72 Dolphins? Well, you know, it was great. We had uh, we were able to get Larry Zonka, Larry Little, Paul Warfield all on 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 the uh, podcast. And uh, it was really interesting, Ira, because, you know, one of the, the stories that resonates with me is, you know, that even after having been in the Super Bowl, but the year before they they felt disrespected, you know, that they didn't that they didn't have anybody really believing that they were going to be a good football team as good as they were. They thought it was kind of a bit of a, you know, Oh, well, let's see how good they are next year. And then he says it was week 13 before anybody was paying attention to the fact that we might be undefeated. But he, he says, we use that as, as motivation. Not that we thought we were going to be undefeated, but we were going to, our goal wasn't to, you know, have an undefeated season. Our goal was to go back to the Super Bowl and win it and, you know, put the naysayers to rest. So that, you know, it, it kind of is you know, kind of like when you look at some of those Steelers uh, teams that didn't go to the Super Bowl that were really pretty good, you forget about, you know, uh, what set up what we now consider this such historic moment. Uh, so it was that Paul Warfield was really pretty um, uh, astute in, in his observation about that. But really, it was it was kind of fun listening to, you know, Zonk and, and Larry Little in particular talking about, you know, Coach Shula, you know, and, and you know, I said, you know, he, he was a taskmaster and, you know, there was days they didn't like him. You know, Zonka saying there was days we hated him and then there was days we loved him. But he said, but it was, you know, we knew after after we started winning that that was what it was, what it was all about. He was about getting us to a point where we expected to win. So go ahead. When they got sorry, that Aaron. Super Bowl paycheck, Joe, when they got the paycheck, oh, yeah. the Super Bowl, they loved them. <laughs> They love it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Joe, well, episodes, it, um, episodes four and five. Looks like it's a two-parter, Joe, on the historical black colleges um, uh-huh. and, and the great players that, that came from there. Doug, I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm, uh, I'm ask you, Joe, about one of them in particular. And Clark and I have been talking about this guy. There's a little chatter going on, Joe, behind the scenes about Doug Williams. 
and mm-hmm. Canton. Yeah. Um, I talked to him yesterday, Joe, and I wanted to know, because Mel Blunt has been making some phone calls on his behalf. He's a yep. big Doug Williams guy. Yeah. And and I asked Doug Williams, Joe, Doug, you, you might be better off getting in as a contributor, perhaps, rather than a player. Would that bother you? You know, just sort of like uh, Coriel, you know, got in uh, a different way. And and Doug Williams said, if you have a gold jacket, that that's all that matters, Joe. So <laughs> talk a little bit about Doug Williams and does he have a historical case to make? Yeah, here's here's the, the problem. Ira. You know, in, in our bylaws, a contributor is defined as someone other than a coach or player. Okay. It was always okay. meant to be more of an administrative uh, category. Uh, but that said, let's go back to Doug's contribution. I mean, Doug was a very good fo- football player. Don't ever forget that. I mean, and people think of him as a Washington Redskin. I mean, he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking a pretty sad sack uh, organization and, and elevating them, you know, as a player, you know, he, he did accomplish a lot. Um, but it's the, the thing that I think the most people remember about him is the Super Bowl, And that was such a profound game and moment in history. And, and, and I really mean moment when I say this, because it's almost a made for TV movie scene. If you can, if you can think, when he went down in the in that game, after all the slings and arrows he survived for the criticism of just being in that game, he's down and he was down in a in a situation where a lesser man wouldn't have been able to get up. But he said, Not me. This is too important. I'm getting up not just to win this game, but I'm Doug Williams and I have to show people that I belong here. And think about that. Most of us don't ever face that kind of, of challenge. You know, uh, if, if we're in a situation where we're showing how good we are, we're never having to think about there are people out there that don't think I should be here. And that was that was a moment in time in football history that will go in the top 10 of anybody's list, in my, in my opinion. And, and then to come back and have the second half of a, of a football game that, you know, is is it equal to none? I mean, I mean, it's better than most at all, and it's in the Super Bowl. That was just astounding. So there's this, I think, this whole um, challenge, and it's a challenge for you selectors as to what that single game added to a good career can do. Can, can does that make a, a Hall of Fame worthy candidate? And that's a very very challenging question that you must face. I'm glad I don't vote. Doug's a friend. You know, I know how I would vote. But it 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 was it's one of those moments that are it's unlike any that I can point to in a single moment, a single challenge, a single game, a single play that had some such an impact on the game and the people. So it's um, yeah, it's profound. Ira, I've got a question for you. You're on the senior committee. What sort of momentum, if any, does Doug Williams have in there? Well, he's got Mel Blunt behind him, and Mel Blunt's talking to some of the voters, and I don't think that hurts Doug Williams. Um, you know, Joe makes a good point. Doug Williams was not a bum before. Oh, no, I know that. I know that. Uh, the Bucks made three playoffs uh, w- with Doug Williams right. and, and, made, and, and made it to the NFC title game in 79. It was their fourth year of existence. So, Clark, I, I think it's, it's worth 
talking about. Oh, absolutely. Also, absolutely. The quarterback he beat in that Super Bowl is John Elway. And, and That's right. who was his, the star running back? It wasn't a star. It was Timmy Smith. I mean, you, and, and I, knew, I remember that game well because I was covering the Chargers. I lived in San Diego and remember thinking John Elway against Doug Williams. But Doug Williams, what was it, Joe? 35 points in the second quarter? 35 points in the second quarter. Yeah. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. It, it, you know, it's uh, the kind of that kind of single performance. And, and again, I come back to the performance alone is remarkable. Yep. The circumstances surrounding it and the personal um, commitment to, to himself and, and to making this happen. And he's so humble about it today. You know, he doesn't talk about it as if it was a, you know, it was a statement play or it was just Doug Williams. That's how he was built. Yep. Uh, and, and again, you know, so much of uh, what is judged when we talk about great quarterbacks is about leadership. And you know, that's intangible. There's no stat that measures it. Uh, but you know there are there were Bobby Lane for instance was a guy that wouldn't make anybody's all time list of great passers you know right. but he was a right. great leader right. uh, so that's 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 a challenge and there's so many great candidates out there that these challenge um, making a case for a guy you know so so singularly defined is so much more difficult than the guys who have had a, a career with the, the, the numbers that you can point to and just say, this is a Hall of Fame career. It's so much easier. So, yeah, good luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're speaking with Joe Horrigan on the eye test for two. Joe's Joe's from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Joe, um, I want to get back to this vodcast that you rolled out this week. Whose idea was it? And when we talk about the 10 most unusual artifacts, which were unveiled this week, who determines those 10 most unusual artifacts? Well, I'll, I'll go first with the who, who, who thought about this. This has been really in the mix for close to two years. Um, and it was with our friends from Hall of Fame Village. Uh, our, you know, they're a separate company from the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but we work very closely for those that are aware of what's going on here in Canton. It's a great development of the, of, of the uh, entertainment complex around the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And it was from their entertainment uh, division that, that it was kind of decided that, hey, you know, the Hall of Fame has so many great stories in the physical artifacts uh, and has never been done before to present the artifacts. And we have the living Hall of Famers who are connected to them. They can tell the stories, which are sometimes humorous, like, you know, Edgar and James Hare. Right. Uh, but others, you know, that, you know, that, that we've collected over the years, Dan Marino's, the you know, the four footballs setting the four uh, all-time passing records, you know, the most famous ones for, you know, completions, touchdowns, uh, uh, attempts, and uh, who did I forget? Um, anyway, all four of them, whatever, the fourth one, I forgot which one I didn't say, you know, you know, to have Dan Marino reflect on his career by using the artifacts is, is a, you know, an altogether different approach to things. So we were lucky enough to uh, get our first six episodes done using the, that concept of using artifacts to tell stories and having the living assets to really put the personal touch to them. So you're going to have 10 episodes from what I understand. What are the last four going to be about? Well, we were still working on that. I was just on a call with uh, with the team just before joining you here. We're, we have probably about another 10 good stories we're trying to go through and say, which ones can we get done? Right. Uh, and, you know, which ones aren't, you know, we're trying to make sure we diversify our, our subjects so that we're not just doing the first episode you mentioned is the 10 most unusual artifacts. That's kind of a fun episode. Yeah. It's a kickoff episode. You get to know uh, the three hosts on this, myself and John Kendall from the Hall of Fame, and then uh, Aditi King of Buala, as you know, from CBS Sports now, but before that, 
NFL Network. And before that, he was a print journalist. So well-rounded career in, in uh, football. But the three of us, you know, um, that's that's kind of the, the beauty of it. We, we, we all bring something different to the table, <laughs> if you will. So we have a lot of good banter going between us. But then when we get to the Hall of Famers, you know, it's, it's again, we look at them from three different generations. Right, three different, right. um, you know, um, types of um, uh, questions that might be asked. You know, the Aditi might ask something a little more in depth than I would because I know these guys and I know I know their answers for the most part. So it's it, we can have some fun. Um, Plus, you've seen them. I mean, you've seen most of these guys. You've seen them play. Oh yeah, and, you know that's how old I am. You know, so, oh, it's how old we are too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I I have a hard time remembering that Larry Zonka doesn't suit up on Sundays. You know, yeah. it's, uh, I mean, when Burt Jones turned seventy this year, I go Burt Jones seventy. Uh, that, that's not possible. Yeah, well, you know, when Burt Jones turned seventy and his dad's still living, his uh, dad he, Dub he, is still alive. I know. Yes, that's a great yeah. story. And most people don't know Dub Jones was uh, a great football player himself with the Cleveland Browns right. and their glory years in the forties and fifties. So, yeah. So, but that's the kind of thing we like to bring to, to the table too, is, uh, you know, you know, we make those connections for people that they might not know. That's actually one of the uh, concepts we're talking about is some of these guys that grew up in football families, you know, the, the Matthews, the, the Mannings, uh, maybe that's an episode, you know, the Greasies. And I said, uh, you know, there are, there are guys like Dan Fouts, who right. his father didn't play. His father was a radio guy with the San Francisco 49ers and Dan was the ball boy. You know, so, you know, we have these connection stories that we'd like to bring out. Joe, uh, does it hit home with you doing this series? Joe, if you want to do some, you know, 60s or, or, or Super Bowl three, that mm. does it hit home, Joe, that you look at it and you say, darn it, you know, so many people have passed so many yeah. of the, of so many of the key contributors, at least we still got Joe Namath around, Joe, for yep. Super Bowl three. But if what do you want to do the Ice Bowl, you know, with, with uh, the Cowboys and the Packers, I, I guess you could get – is Jerry Kramer still around? Yeah, uh, Jerry's there sure. and Dave Robinson's uh, a great storyteller. Yeah. But you know, to your point, exactly. That's why some of these shows are important. And I always say this too, guys, and I'm not saying because you're in the in the business, but, you know, the true historians of the game uh, historically has been the media. Because you cover the game, you cover the players, and you put it into print, you put it into film, whatever it might be, whatever medium you're using, and that's archived, you know, and that's that's where our, our our institutional knowledge comes from for this game, you know. There there are people like myself who study it after you after you record it, uh, but it's so important for people to really understand it, particularly the critics of the media, you know. I think everybody wants to be a critic and at some level. But, you know, if it weren't for newspaper accounts in the 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s, we wouldn't know anything about these guys, you know, uh, and, and that's for the next generations to start appreciating, you know, as, as to what you guys have done for your careers over a long period of time. So thank you for that. I know you were paid to do it, <laughs> but you're also the historians of the game, like it or not. Joe, last one for me. Thanks for your time, Joe. And uh, best of luck with your venture. Joe, talk to me a little bit about the Immaculate Reception. Um, uh, 72, you know, uh, uh, some of the Raiders still can't believe what happened, Joe. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what you got coming for the Immaculate Reception? We have we had some great bantering in that one. Uh, uh, and it, it was kind of funny because when you get the, the Raiders and the Steelers together, it's 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 a good conversation. Let's just say Fred Belitnikoff will make you laugh in this one. He he's 
he's just really uh kind of sour grapes but still having fun with it and you know franco and and joe green they, you know they share their their reflections joe green you know told us that you know he was running down the sideline parallel with franco during the reception because and i think i beat him to the to the end zone <laughs> <laughs> franco says no is not true but you know it's, it's it's a great story and you know you mentioned about hall of famers who have passed and you know that uh you know unfortunately can't contribute and, and one of the ones i really wish were still here because he was my dear friend uh but also uh was from the other side of the, of the argument john madden uh and and john was you know i mean he, he was mad right to the day he died he was mad because he made the coins it wasn't a question of whether franco caught it yeah, you know i'll give you that it looks like he caught it he says it was a double touch rule the ball was double touch but even if it didn't occur the officials didn't make a call they went and made a phone call the stadium uh, the baseball stadium and got art mcnally in the press box and art swears he all he told us is you know, call what you saw. Well, Mad keeps saying he saw nothing. That's the problem. They didn't see anything. So that's his argument. It was, and and I got always calm him down and say, you know, what if what if instant replay were still around? He goes, I would have had a championship. That's what <laughs> hey so, Joe. You know, following on that, you know, as you well know, in Pittsburgh, you fly in the airport there. There is a replica of Franco catching that ball in the airport. Yeah. It's a lot. I'd say statue, but it's not. It's a, it's an art form. It, but it's a giant um, replica of Franco catching that ball at that moment. We had Phil Villapiano on the radio years ago. He said, "Every time I fly into Pittsburgh, I want to tackle that statue. I want to take it out because that never happened. That never happened." <laughs> you know. It- People forget the game wasn't even over. That was the other thing. That's they right. That was the last play of the game. No, they had to, you know, when they scored, they had to kick off to the Raiders again. But the best part, I think, always is that the, the chief, Art, Art Rooney, who founded the team, missed his team's most famous play because when when it was 30 seconds left and Bradshaw's dropping back, you know, to pass, Art's getting in the elevator to go down to be in the locker room to console his team after having had a great game but lost. So it occurred, the immaculate reception occurred while he was in the elevator. And he's hearing the cheering and he's thinking, oh, that's nice. What a great, great supporting crowd. You know, they tried hard. You know, the fans are with him. And he got in the locker room and his players are cheering and running around. And he says, Joe Green again tells the story. He had to say, coach, we, or coach, chief, we won. We won. And they had to explain what happened. But he missed the play. Yeah, well, I could see Mr. Rooney asking the officials what happened. They go, I don't know. We missed the play. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, it's, uh... Uh, Joey, it's funny you mentioned that because there was a teaser, and I'm talking about this podcast. There was a teaser in the press release about a Three Rivers Stadium elevator panel. And I looked yeah. at that, and I've been to Three Rivers many, many times. That game was at Three Rivers. What's that all about? Well, in the in the elevator that Art uh, Rooney used to go down to the locker room. Yeah. Dan Rooney, when they were renovating, you know, the stadium or tearing it down, a few which was, had the had the foresight to say, you know, let's take something out of that elevator. So he took the the, the metal panel where the buttons would pop through, you know, yeah. they took that and then the the uh, similar piece which would be above it, showing you which floor you were uh, on, you know, would light up behind it. He took had those two metal um, plates. Removed from the elevator and given to the Hall of Fame. But even there, even more spectacular was when they were tearing out the turf in the stadium. 
And Franco saw it in the newspaper that they were taking out the turf. And he quick grabbed the newspaper of the photos of when he where he caught the immaculate reception. And he went to the stadium to cut out the piece of turf where it actually occurred. That's and nice. then he donated that to the Hall of Fame. But, you know, wow. he said, we talk about the immaculate reception. So there was a little divine intervention yeah. also because they were tearing that turf out. And he said they weren't 10 feet away from the spot when I wow. got there and they were taking their lunch break. Oh, wow. Says, if, I, if I were a little bit later or they didn't eat lunch, it would have been gone. Because so if, 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 if we're in if we're in Canton, we could find that. And you've got that on display. That, that piece yeah, of that's turf. on display here. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's cool. Well, Joe, as we mentioned, uh, six episodes that run through. December 20th, I think, and they air every Tuesday. Um, can you tell uh, our listeners how they can find it? Well, they can go to anywhere that they get it to get their podcasts or vodcasts. You, you can go on YouTube or you know any of the you know, traditional sources, but also to link to the Hall of Fame or Hall of Fame Village sites, and there'll be you know links to the, uh, the cast that they can use. But uh, easily accessible. Um, as you say, we have six episodes done. We're going to continue, and then we release a new one each uh, week at, on Tuesday, and we'll get through our first 10 and then start talking about next season. Well, pretty like soon, like I said, with Howard Balzer, it's eight that we've been doing serious. Yeah. It'll be eight that we've been doing our vodcast, and we'll be <laughs> really old by then. <laughs> well, it sounds like a great idea. It's football heaven. It's a vodcast, and you can find it easily, as Joe said. Right after you look for the eye test for two on your app, okay? Right then. There you go. That's, that's, <laughs> hey, let's not forget. We're all in this business together. We're all in this together. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun doing these things, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Joe Horrigan, it, it's always a lot of fun talking to you. Really love talking to you. Thanks so much for the time. And we'll see you next Tuesday yes. on your podcast, Football Head. Thank Thanks you. so much. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Ira. That was Joe Horgan, Senior Advisor at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Ira, sounds like a pretty good idea to me. Clark, best move that uh, Jim Porter made since he took over for David Baker, yeah, bringing Joe Horrigan bad. back. I yeah. mean, the guy, the guy's a treasure. Clark, yeah, he, he, he abs absolutely. Uh, when are we doing our vodcast? Oh, we're doing a podcast right now. You know what? We're, we're going to do a podcast. We're going to do 10 artifacts from Ian Glendon's. <laughs> Uh, a, a living room over there, and, and you know, you never know. And eight of them are going to be patriot related. I was going to say, know. good luck finding one without the number twelve on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ira, this is Norman, where we would have. I was there, but nobody was there last week. I mean, you weren't in Germany. I was in Germany. You were having breakfast with your former head coach, Bruce Arians. So, um, I'm skipping right to final thoughts. You got any for this week? I hope so. Well, I'm thinking about Thanksgiving, Clark. You know, it's always food related. Aren't and by we the all? way, Aren't we by the all? way, you said you said I was sitting at home watching the Bucks game when they played in Munich. I wasn't sitting at home, Clark. I was at a sports bar named Big Storm in Clearwater. Nice Ian probably club. knows it. Nice and club. surrounded by 150 of my closest Buck friends, uh, and they had a German breakfast menu for the game. And uh, and they had a, a, an Ira Kaufman breakfast platter, and, and, and I had a and Clark. The game started at nine thirty. Yeah, I know it. So, so what's I, on the I, what's on the Ira Kaufman breakfast platter? Well, a couple of potato pancakes, a little spetzel. Uh, you know, and Ian Glendon just went to the dictionary. Well, what the heck is spetzel? <laughs> you know, uh, a little applesauce, a couple of eggs over easy, bacon, wow. of course. Um, and and I ordered three of them, Clark. Just just. <laughs> 
And you know what? The Bucks played a pretty darn good game. Fuck. They, Bucks they, played they did. What's the name of that place? Big Storm? Was that the name of Big, it? Big Storm, baby. Big Storm yeah, We'll be doing our future vodcast from there. Nice <laughs> plug. Hey, I, I've got, you know, I've got something to say this week because there's some significant anniversaries. Now, we were talking about the Raiders, you know, with the, the uh, uh, Immaculate Reception. And Ira, November 17th, that would be this Thursday, November 17th, 1968. You know what happened? No, I guess that's a no. Uh, the movie Heidi. Heidi cut off the last 50 seconds oh, of the Jets Raiders oh. game. So that's, I mean, that's not a big deal, right? It's not a big deal, 50 seconds, except the Raiders scored twice in the last 42 <laughs> seconds to win. So you think they're upset in New York? Yeah, they were livid. Uh, now, fast forward 10 years, November right. 19th, 1978. And you might have been there because it involves the other New York team, the Giants at the Meadowlands. That would the be blunder, the absolute the miracle at the Meadowlands, the miracle at the Meadowlands. They had Joe Pisarczyk, who after this game, they called <laughs> Off-Broadway Joe. <laughs> he fumbled the handoff. Herm Edwards picked it up, we know. And poor John McVay, who just passed, That's he was correct. the head coach. Yeah. He, he was the head coach. Who was, who was supposed to get the handoff? Larry Zonka. Larry Zonka. And Lanka, yeah. Zonka in the huddle said, I'm not taking it. But um, anyway, <laughs> off-Broadway Joe tried to hand it to him, hit him on the hip, and we know what happened. Anyway, Boy, the, giant, the Giants were bad in those days, Clark. Really bad. Yeah, they and, were bad. And, and that happened with 31 seconds left in the game, you know? Yeah. Take a sure win into a sure loss. It lost 1970. But now, that is why, Ian, you, this is before you were born, I'm sure. That's why quarterbacks today take a knee because of what happened there. Anyway, we're going to follow their lead, and we're going to take a new knee, too. And we're going to take a knee until next week. If you want to listen to this or any iTest for Two podcast, you just go to itestfor2.com or fullpresscoverage.com. Otherwise, tune in next week for the latest on the Hall of Fame semifinalists for the class of 2023 on the iTest for Two. Thanks so much for listening.